Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I am the workplace wellness advocate. And yes, again, today, another episode. So from next week on, I will only go live once uh, during the summertime, unless there is a very pressing conversation that I need to have, then I'll definitely go live twice. But because of what, uh, because of the attention that um, regarding diversity, regarding inclusion, I had to, you know, bring on the previous guests of Monday. But today, uh, I normally broadcast on Tuesday this time. And it's all about humanizing the workplace. So um, I'm definitely going to share something about that. If you want to know more about me or about the new highlights or whatever it is that I have to share, go to bit.ly dash tw news and it's definitely included in the description so you can always go to there and subscribe i have a bi-weekly newsletter i'm not going to spam you and there you can you know update yourself and get involved in humanizing the workplace um also know that this episode and all the previous episodes are uh on podcasts on your favorite podcast station i have a favor to ask you so if you can do me the favor and definitely when you have been watching for a long time or maybe you've been what this is your first time watching right please take a minute to share a, v a review please um share something because the more reviews and the more you know rates that you share the more people will hear about this and the more we can all do our best to humanize the workplace um, I also have something that I have to share that, uh, some of you who know me know, but I am assuming that a lot of people don't know me as well. So in the shows, I have been talking about my son and my son, he, in this photo, he's, uh, three years, but at the moment he's six and know that he will become a handsome man. He can definitely become two meters and six and a half feet for those who are in the States. Know that I am a very tall woman, a very tall black woman. And this was me uh, 10 years ago uh, at the crossing of um, uh, Nevada and I think Colorado. It's somewhere near nearby Vegas where you have that, you know, you have that um, split between. And it's also the, the favorite part in my scene of Transformers. Those of you who are Transformers geek, you get me, you get why I had to be there. But I'm also a fan of the States because I feel at home. Well, not at the moment, but I, I feel at home as a tall woman. Um, something that I have to share about myself because a lot of people have been approaching me saying that I am inspiring them and you are lightning and um, whatever positive thing that they want to share, they are sharing. And do have to say, I really appreciate you because um, it took me a long time to get to this stage and I'm not going to be all emotional. Well, maybe I am. It doesn't matter because it's all part of being human, right? Um, this was me 10 years ago. And this was before Orlando. And you see my length. You see a tall woman, but know that this tall woman used to hide herself, hide herself in a clothes, hide herself, making herself invisible. Because at that time, 
I had a voice, but I did not use my voice because most of the time people wouldn't hear me, people wouldn't listen to me, people would not see me. They see me for other things, but not for the things that I wanted to do or not for what I wanted to do. So um, ever since I have become a mom and those who are parents or those who are involved with kids, they get me. Um, there is this fire within me that I have to do something to make this world a better place. And um, I cannot do something when I'm being, when I'm not sharing, when I'm not speaking up and definitely want to make, you know, a footprint on this earth. And everything that I'm doing with humanizing the workplace, it's for my son. I'm sharing some of this vulnerability because I've never shared something like this before but humanizing the workplace i worked part-time at a at a firm a very high notable firm out of respect and also i don't want to you know uh, hassle i don't want no hassle but know that i was bullied i was really bullied and um, i left the company because i didn't feel safe um, I didn't feel safe as a person. I didn't feel safe as a black person. And I spoke up. I reported to HR. I reported it to the manager. And from their perspective, in somewhat way, they did their best. But when you are working for a huge company, an international company with so many angles, so many perspectives, sometimes that one voice seems lost. And if that company does not do something about those who are bullying you or those who are making it worse for you to do the best for that company, I do feel that you need to think about your own health. And I do think that you need to think about um, those that you care. So I withdrew myself from that place because otherwise it would be me against the world. and. I'm not in that position to fight that battle. I am, however, proud of starting a positive platform, even though I face so many challenges, so many battles, dealing with so many battles and having that conversation with people. I am a person who starts with talking in the hope that people are listening and learning. But when they don't start listening and learning, I have to listen and learn myself. Is this the right environment for me to start this initiative? So I started speaking up starting from somewhere November and I am beyond proud. I'm not only proud when it comes to myself, I am beyond proud of my guest speakers of my guest speakers uh, providing their time and their energy and they're all for making this an awesome place, for making this an awesome platform. So whatever it is that you're following me, also know that you have to follow, not you have to, but please share the love with the guest speakers as well because they are the one who are uh, giving me the energy, giving me the ingredients for this platform to be amazing. So thank you on behalf of them and also regarding them. Thank you for being you and thank you for being awesome. Thank you. So today's guest speaker, and I wish that 
I knew about this topic before, but then again, I'm happy that they are here now. So today's topic is about breaking silos like an artist. I have Sonsolas Alonso, Amir Sabirovic. And if Amir, just tell me if I'm not pronouncing it right, just tell me now, but I'm going to bring them up. And first Sonsolas and then Amir. And I also have a you know, beautiful bio that I have to read, right? So, so Solis Alonso helps CXOs and founders build high effect, highly effective, happy teams in six months or less using systemic tools, serious games, and the secrets of the Dutch figure shit out artists. Okay, we have to, you know, ask some more about that. And then we have Amir Sabirovic. I'm hoping again, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing it right. Perfect, perfect. Okay, good. He is a digital strategist who is transforming companies through data analytics and artificial intelligence while staying human. Wow. Okay. I'm definitely going to ask something about that. So um, I'll start with you, Sonsolis. Hi, welcome for, for being here. And what is your connection with humanizing the workplace? Well, first of all, let me tell you that it's amazing to be here. And uh, mm -hmm. I really admire the, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, yes. So regarding your question, what is my connection with humanizing the workplace? Um, so I'm going to tell you something that uh, could sound a little strange to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is something about orchestras. I mean, everyone loves orchestras. They play wonderful music. They are, you know, really beautiful to, to, to watch. But an orchestra is not necessarily a happy place to work because of the hidden dynamics in the orchestra. And um, so I am classically trained. Uh, and um, after my master's degree in, uh, in New York, I came to Amsterdam in order to specialize in contemporary music, which is music written by living composers. And here's the difference. In the world of orchestras, you know, everything is about fear. If you make a mistake, you, you know, that is pretty much the end of your life, of your working life. Um, the conductor can be actually quite despotic and uh, really a micromanager telling everyone what needs to happen and what cannot happen, etc. So um, it looks beautiful from the outside, but yeah, working there is not, yeah, such a nice experience sometimes. On the other hand, when I came to Amsterdam, um, magic happened uh, when I decided to play contemporary music. And um, let me see if I can share my screen because I want to show you something. Um, um okay no Let me, let's not do this but i came prepared um so this i hope you can see it is a piece of music written for an ensemble and oh do i need to do it again uh okay i don't have it anymore um so let me see well I can show you another one, another example. Um, here is another one. This is music for an ensemble. And um, you can call this a holistic tool. It's an integration tool. And there is no conductor. So it's very much a self-organizing team. And it's a serious mm -hmm. game. And um, it's comparable to what Amir calls a mission command. And why is that? There is a sort of centralized purpose and then there is decentralized execution. 
And that centralized purpose is in the form of a legend with certain constraints, you know, certain rules that you really need to follow. That can be, for instance, the piece needs to last 45 minutes. You have to play at least one solo. You have to play uh, your instrument in unusual ways for at least 10 minutes, etc. But then when you are on the stage, you are free to do the work as you see fit. So suddenly I had moved from the world of fear to the world of joy because I was in a playground. I could do everything that was not supposed to be done with pianos or with colleagues, etc. So um, we also experimented with electronics. Uh, we uh, experimented with different levels of leadership, you know, between uh, composer and player. So it was fun. It was joyful. Mm -hmm. And when I built my consultancy, one of my main motivations was actually to bring that joy to the teams and the corporations that I work with. And that's the connection with humanizing the workplace. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yeah. And Amir? First of all, Vivian, thank you very much for your touching story. Um, really appreciate it uh, for sharing. And thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your show. Uh, and your pronunciation was perfect. So Good. now you know for all uh, Yugoslavian people coming uh, coming along with each, uh, that goes perfectly. Um, uh, what is my connection? Uh, well, uh, you know, and you, you stated it, that um, I'm in the world of data analytics and AI. Uh, and what you see at the organizations that they all think that this is the solution to everything, right? Um, so everything we're hyper connected, we use technology in everyday lives, like full blown. And the funny thing is that the companies also think that this is the solution for everything, right? Automating the workplace, etc. But when you come to look at the company and digital transformation in general, there are two main items there, a digital strategy. And the second one is digital analytical culture, mm -hmm. culture and behavior that reasons from data. And people are key within this. Why? Because they have done this business for such a long time. They have tacit knowledge, which is uh, so valuable for the company. You cannot automate everything. And instead of looking into it, uh, how to get rid of the people, you should look how you can leverage them to cut the routine tasks and actually use their talents, their unique talents for uh, customer facing things or internally facing things of so working together on bigger, bigger projects. So in everything I do in my professional life, people are key and staying human is a must. So we can have all the technology there is, but without us in the center, nothing's going to happen. That's well said. So Sonsolas, um, I challenge you to bring somebody on as your lift, as you climb uh, person. So can you share why you invited Amir to be that person for you? Yes. I'll uh... go mute now. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no, please turn the music, turn the volume up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, um, a few months ago, I attended a, uh, an AI event with uh, several speakers and uh, it was quite terrible. And I was thinking, <laughs> I am leaving, I am going home. <laughs> And then Amir showed up and he was like, wow, who is this person? He saved the event. He's, uh, wow. <laughs> his talk was really good, uh, but also his style. You know, he tells it like it is. He's very authentic. So I really value that. I, I admire that in, uh, in Amir. So that's why you're here. And I'm really flattered that you're here. Very happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very good much. To know. So this is the part where you save Amir and you replay it, you know, for those special days that you just want to hear that. <laughs> then I feel bad. 
<laughs> okay, so the, going to the next questions, can you can you share why organizations should apply the mission command philosophy or the principles of an artist? So I'll start with Amir, and then uh, Sonsolis, you can you you can reply from the principles of an artist. Yes. Okay, uh, I think we should first state what mission command is, right? Definitely. Uh, yeah. Bring it on. So. Uh, so uh, mission command comes from military, right? Because mm -hmm. military is usually dispersed and you have all these people working for one main guy and they have to make decisions all day long. And these missions uh, and these statements and everything they do is actually life-threatening, right? Mm -hmm. If you mess up, you can die, especially in a war situation or everything else. So mission command is actually decentralized um, uh, execution. And it's based on, okay, I am the responsible within the organization of military. We have a mission, but I'm not going to detail how you're going to execute the mission. You as a person have the autonomy and the freedom to execute upon orders that you have to see because we are living in a dynamic environment that that goes for warfare as well. So you cannot be present or rely on your general or lieutenant or whoever is above you to constantly hold your hand and go through well uh it's based on trust mm. so everything revolves about trust so mission command is actually putting authority in your hand because you're working for an organization so it's a high over so you know what our mission is mission and vision of the organization you know what your job is and you're applying your unique talents um, to execute that and the person that gave you the mission uh, is actually responsible for you, but he also trusts you 100%. There is no 98 or 99 or 50 because the consequences of him not trusting you is actually you end up dying or not protecting him or vice versa, etc. So in the organization, it goes as well. If you look at the organization, we're all beautiful, unique human beings, and we mm -hmm. all have our unique set of skills. All of us are different. We have some similarities, but we're all different. And that is what makes us beautiful, I would say, as human beings. Um, so if you apply the fundament of trust within an organization, you will achieve greatness within an organization because you will have the full autonomy and freedom to execute the... <laughs> you will have the full autonomy uh, of execution uh, and you can envision the results. And actually, then you have a leader that is proud of what he achieved. And that is all fundamental based on trust. So it's it's a behavior that you imprint on everybody working on you. This is a set. We trust each other 100%. Uh, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to uh, uh, win a war or uh, make great achievements at organization, make memorable things, et cetera, et cetera. And that is actually what Mission Command is. And now I don't know if I should actually make the comparison or uh, uh, set the stage for uh, Sonsoles, uh, how I see it uh, relates. Uh, you can challenge to... her. I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, yeah. what, I'm, what, what I'm hearing right now is something that is totally missing in the workplace because you mentioned autonomy, you mentioned trust. Well, trust is there sometimes, but autonomy and the combination with trust, X. Uh, so definitely, I, I mean, it, it, you can actually uh, 
see that through this whole pandemic thing, mm, right? So definitely. In, in the Netherlands in 2010, we introduced or we coined the new ways of working, right? You mm -hmm. could work remotely for wherever uh, you wanted as, so, as long as you finished your job and you had an internet connection, but you had no monitoring. So yeah. you had trust. So 10 years later now, we have a pandemic going on. And the companies are scratching their heads because their whole infrastructure, digital infrastructure is challenged for something mm -hmm. that should have been done 10 years ago. Yeah. And everybody is like, yeah, but uh, how how are you going to apply this? And, how? and it's all based on trust because mm -hmm. if you trust someone, you know they will get their job done. Whether they're yeah. sitting at home playing with kids, they will open their laptop at 10 p.m. and still finish the job. Um, so you go to whether, whether that's appropriate or not, it's debatable because from a workplace wellness perspective, I wouldn't do that, but I understand where you're getting from. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a flexibility, you know, mm -hmm. it's a flexibility. You have 24 hours in a day, uh, mm -hmm. doesn't mean, so maybe you're productive in the morning. I get yeah. up at 5 AM, but that yeah. does not mean that you, uh, to get up at 5 AM, maybe you get productive at 5 PM and work mm -hmm. up to 11. So yeah. you get this flexibility. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have to conduct telephone calls with uh, the customers, clients, relationships, etc. But the flexibility of life is what should be offered to the employees. And that's based on trust. And yeah. when you when you when you uh, compare this with uh, the principles of an artist or how I view it, and uh, I, I discussed this with some solos, is actually when you look at the symphony or an orchestra, Everybody has this unique set of skills and capabilities. You do not say to a, a, um, a, a symphonist uh, to go and play a cello or whatever. No, he's special in his uh, his instrument, right? Mm -hmm. And he knows what he needs to do. And only so when before you before you share all the goodies, I'm curious about what Sonsolas has to share. What when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, knowing the principles of an artist, especially the organizations that really want to do their best to inspire their people, what is there that they can learn um, from an artist? Well, I would like to pick up from uh, what Amir said about mm -hmm. autonomy. Yeah. Um, the name of the game today is speed. Mm -hmm. yeah, there is a lot going on. It's happening very fast. And yeah. the most important thing is to be able to respond in real time. Yeah. So... When you have such a one pager, I found it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, going to highlight you again. Wait. Yeah. So far. in the middle. In the middle. On the yes. other way. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So when you have such an integrative tool, where you know there are certain constraints that, that make the scope of the work really easy, and you are free to do the work as you see fit, you can move very fast. You don't have to wait for uh, permission from seven levels of leadership and uh, 10 departments in order to do your next step. No, you react in real time. So that is definitely one of the advantages of such an uh, integrative um, uh, tool. Um, so uh, an autonomy, uh, you know, today we're working with knowledge workers. They want to be seen, they want to be yeah. acknowledged. Um, so um, this autonomy makes them happier, makes them more engaged and also actually more creative. And also, believe it or not, also psychologically safe uh, because they are free to act. Uh, it reminds with... me so much of uh, the saying like happy cows give more milk because that's, that's to put it simple, that's what you're sharing at the moment, right? Yeah. So giving 
people the trust, giving people the autonomy, uh, allowing them to use their talents to do whatever is needed in the workplace. That will create more milk and more milk. I mean, more green within the business and the business to be able to thrive. Right? Why is it so hard? Because uh, it has been centuries of command and control, so mm -hmm. it will take a while, I think, to uh, transition from that to what needs to happen right now and change. Mm -hmm. It will happen eventually. It just takes a lot of time, especially when a, an organization is very large. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Amir, what's what's your answer to that? Um, I know it's a I, it's a loaded question, but I think it's um, it, it, the drastic change that needs to happen is people over profit. Mm -hmm. At this point, most companies are still very much organized uh, at uh, profit over people. So you're just a digit. Uh, if you burn, there is a line in front of the building of all people that have been picked up. And it's kind of, um, it's, uh, I always uh, say uh, um, that we all are prepared for um, years of slavery by the educational system. It all starts yeah. there, right? It's the mm -hmm. world according to the, to the professor. Yeah. Uh, and if you challenge their perspective on the world, you get slapped uh, or you get uh, lower <laughs> grades for, uh, for misbe misbehavior yeah. or challenging the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, and once we end up in an organization, we get these HR managers that are actually having their charts, right? So you're coming in as a trainee or um, intern or a senior, whatever the roles are. And then they say, okay, this is, these are the trainings that you need to follow and you'll end up doing this. There is none, uh, no organization, I would say, which actually says, okay, let's see what is your unique set of skills mm -hmm. and not what you have done, but what you can become with yeah. your unique set of skills. And uh, we're uh, placing too much uh, um, focus on the hard skills and actually leaving the soft, empathetic skills. I don't know. Out, I think right? I need I need to keep this card on the whole time because you are both sharing something. And and uh, sorry to interrupt you, but we, when it comes to the soft skills, uh, there is so much that a company can learn and can nudge uh, their employees to keep building on those soft skills, keep training those soft skills, because especially now, if you're not creating that connection or if you're not reaching out to your people and not providing that safe space, even from home, they'll feel disconnected. So continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I just, so one of the statements in 2017, Gallup uh, did a research and 70% yeah. of employees in the United States, I don't know what how it's in the Netherlands are disengaged. Mm. So these yeah. are people that celebrate the Friday. So they're absolutely Here, I think not it's passionate. 85. 85. 85. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's even worse. So we have a disengagement and we still continue on that same path. So yeah. you get like, in a company, they put you through this stream. They're actually not uh, utilizing your full capability because we are learned. And I don't know if you, you guys know the, the term polymath. Right. Uh, so we, we are educated to do one thing, be expert mm -hmm. in one yeah. thing, while yeah. human beings are capable of being good or best or great uh, at multiple <laughs> things. And we get bored. We yeah. get bored if you if you do one thing for You're describing years. 
just describing me. <laughs> so there is a book, Polymath. It's, yeah, it, it I'm is definitely about reading it. Yeah. Uh, uh, exploiting all the talents that you have and interest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like passionately curious. So it's much more about lifting the soft skills, building a, a company of trust, mm -hmm. and then freeing everybody to do what is in their best powers to do and enabling them in everything they want to achieve and guiding them through that process. Okay. And uh, we, we, uh, we, yeah. Yeah, you can finish it, and then I'll go to the. I next will. Question. I will. I will just finish it, and I think yeah. it's, uh, uh, this current situation has shown that most people are unhappy because mm -hmm. they now had time to think about yeah. where the and hell reflect. do I work? Yeah, yeah. Where the hell do I work, and why am I not engaged with my family? I mean, the yeah. the, the the number of divorces went up because these people didn't know each other. They yeah. were working their asses off. Uh, and then they came home and think, Hey, I have a family. Wow. Yeah. What's yeah. this? Yeah. Um, so, so this disengagement and actually not living passionately, uh, only living nine to five is something that has to change. But for that to, to be realized, we really should put people first, uh, uh technology to support that and actually profit. Of course, you shouldn't lose money as a company, but that should not be the main driver. Yeah. Which brings me to this question. What skills must Libra have to boost team cultures? And I'll start with Sonsoles. Um, I would say um, a very important one is uh, vulnerability. Mm. With, a um, with a different meaning that, than, you know, the, the meaning that you gave it today. What I mean is that even if you are a fabulous leader, to, you know, very skilled, very capable, uh, with lots of achievements, the world is moving so fast that you are mm -hmm. not the only one with all the information in order to move forward. So you need to, uh, once more, acknowledge your team. They are knowledge workers. They are connected through several networks. There is a lot of information in them. So you need to be vulnerable to actually mm -hmm. acknowledge them and give them the stage, so to speak, to keep it musical. So I think this is um, one that uh, is very important. Um, I would say also psychological safety and mm. being the person who is capable of doing that because when you are working you want to be able to be yourself without you facing terrible consequences um <laughs> and i will add just one more um i mean there are several uh, that i would like to name but uh, otherwise it takes too long but i, I there is one that's also very important in my opinion and that is you need to be lighthearted. And what I mm. mean with that is you need to take your work, of course, very seriously, but yourself not so much. Yeah. And if you do that, you will create a culture that is exactly like that as well. And when that so, happens, there is, again, more psychological safety. People can be creative, innovative, uh, etc. So there's more happiness. Me, you are highlighting some of the top ingredients that I feel that a humanized workplace needs to have. That's what you're highlighting at the moment. And when it comes to vulnerability, I mean, everybody has their own definition that everybody has their own way of doing. But let's say that the way you treat your employees, if you would have ever imagined that the way you're treating them now, that you're, somebody's treating your child the same way or somebody's treating your mother that same way, I think that you would think differently about the way you are leading your team now. Because when you 
are approaching your family members or your child or somebody who's close to your heart, you approach them from the human side. You don't approach them from the stiff side, the business side, where you deem you're masking yourself to become the puppet, the manager, the the person, the manager without a heart. Yeah. So there is little heart in corporations and there is also little humor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah definitely okay. you don't see me there no no <laughs> if i i mean i had situations in the past where um where you're waiting for the interview and you can sense that culture and it's just like okay you know that scene when forest somebody said forest run forest run imagine me it was vivian run vivian run because i was just like no this is killing me not mm-hmm. softly but faster than softly yeah so amir what do you have to add on to this uh well i would i would say opa opa P-A. okay yeah. other people other people awesomeness mm-hmm. leaders okay it's You're not going with the awesome OPA, it's not about you. It's mm-hmm. about other people' awesomeness. Yeah. And to get there, the leaders have to master trust, love, mm. and belonging. These are the core competencies of empowerment leadership. Yeah. Empowering others to achieve more, be more, do more, and facilitate them to do a damn good job, great mm-hmm. job that they are proud of, and through that, you will be proud of them. Because um, I think that is the, the the case of the leader is to create other leaders. I mean, these mm-hmm. are the quotes like like it's a cliche. Yeah. But they people working with you or for you have to actually surpass you in their knowledge and greatness. That that is actually what I think that leadership is successful. Yeah. When all the people that you have that have worked for you are greater than you in everything they do. It reminds me so much, and I have to bring, you know, reflect towards uh, football or me, even uh, the basketball. When you see a great team uh, making the scores or you see a great team excel, a lot has to do with the way the mindset of the leader of the coach is. Is the coach, is, is are they having a growth mindset as a team where the coach is amplifying that? where the coach is leading them to beyond, to infinity and beyond? Or are you the person that wants to, you know, become the puppet master, master, uh, like the Pinocchio version where you want to boa constrict your team members, uh, where you want to know everything, you want to monitor everything, and you need to be updated on everything. Which one are you? I love your metaphors, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very visual. So I'm trying to, you know, bring that on to, to, uh, to, for other people to see that uh, having control, it's good, but being too over controlling, like, like I said, the, the, the boa constrictor or being that person where everybody yeah. fears, you know, um, from Lion King, where everybody, a lot of people or a lot of the animals were fearing Scar. You don't want to be that Scar person within the office. You don't want to be Scar. Yeah, but I, I, I think 
if you're talking about metaphors and you're referring to Pinocchio's, my favorite movie of all times is uh, Fight Club. Mm. You're in a car yeah. and he lets go. Of, he lets go of the steering wheels, and mm. the other guy <laughs> grabs it. Right? Stop trying to control everything. Let yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, so letting go, um, and therefore you need trust. Uh, and a seatbelt. Okay, we, 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 we are going into metaphors. And every time when somebody le, le, is referring to letting go, you know, those parents who are traumatized by that, that one song, that Disney song, I'm not going to sing it, but just have that in mind. Let go. <laughs> so, um, Amir, how can managers provide a psychological safety in remote teams? Um, I think that that goes through exemplary behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you if you master and cultivate and empower to trust within your company, mm -hmm. um, the people that will they will feel that they will mm -hmm. feel the love, the empathy, etc., and they will go about their ways executing stuff. And at the po point where they um, need you or they're stuck or whatever they will reach out because they will feel comfortable of telling everything what bothers them to you and i mean that is the, the that is the whole essence because if you trust someone it doesn't matter if you're sitting in david or in amsterdam you know that you can build or rely upon each other that if there is something you will come or they will come they will they will safeguard you from falling um, and, and I think that when you apply trust within an organization, then you also safeguard the uh, psychological effects of the, of the people within, uh, within houses. <laughs> okay. Somebody is, is sharing that what you're describing is 90% of Apple. So I know because I work there sometimes. Wow. It's very interesting. Very interesting. I have not studied uh, Apple. Uh, I've studied life. So uh, <laughs> if that is uh, if, that, if that is there, then they are really good. I would say yeah. go work for Apple. I would say, yeah. yeah. Unless you're referring to something else, uh, MMI. So um, I'm hoping that you're referring to the positive thing. And otherwise, please let us know so that we can uh, we can react to that context. And Sonsolas. Um, the same question, right? Yeah, the same question. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say that you need to be a facilitative leader. Um, mm. You need to, uh, every meeting, every online meeting, every interaction with your team, you need to use tools that promote conversation and collaboration, mm. right? Because what I see very often is that technology that is used is still, you know, command and control. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I micromanage, yeah. I say what needs to happen and you do it. Yeah. Um, and these tools also create uh, inclusiveness. When you have, um, uh, you know, a distributed team and you bring everyone into an experience that is uh, based on collaboration, then uh, I think that's, yeah, what it is about today. Yeah. Um, I would also say very important, and you need to do this both offline and online, Today, if you are this facilitated leader, you need to start with a good uh, team agreement. Mm -hmm. You need to ask the people who are present, how do you want to work together? How do you want to feel while you're working together? 
how would you know that you are having that that you need you know so that it also becomes concrete it's not just uh, loose words um, mm -hmm. this also creates a lot of uh, cohesion even if people are uh, spread all over the world yeah. Um, so yeah, the team agreements, hardly anyone does that, but super important because then you create like a really tight, uh, you know, tight meet. So, uh, yeah, I do. So when, when, you, when, conduct... you, when you are Sorry. talking, I, I am thinking about Star Trek. So I'm not a Trekkie fan, but I am, you know, obliged to watch from time to time because my partner is a Trekkie fan. And, uh, when you say like, uh, control and command. I'm thinking about Star Trek in a positive way because when you look at the Captain Picard, that's the only person that I know, and all the Klingons, I'm not going to go into deep. But when you look at Star Trek, you see that every person, even though Captain Picard is the main guy, is the manager, you see that every person is put into place where their talent is talent shine. Yeah, but Star Trek is very cool. Huh? It's a very yeah. cool show. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely I mean, I'm not a specialist, but... Uh, me neither, yeah. me neither. I mean, maybe next time I have to bring my partner on to talk about this, but that's his expertise. I'm the Star Wars person. But then again, there is so much that we can learn from these movies because uh, it shows us how important it is to collaborate, to work as a team, to work as a unity, to achieve whatever goals that you want to achieve. Yes. It's never I, I, I when it comes to Captain Picard. It's always we are going to do this together. We are battling this together. We are going to fight this 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 thing together, right? Mm -hmm. So um, Killian has something challenging because you brought on Fight Club and Killian is asking, okay, he's talking about his alternate personality, right? So his alter was telling him that he had to let go. Did his personality break into pieces to teach him to be less controlling. Okay, I am curious to know because I don't remember that scene anymore from Fight Club. <laughs> I'm not going there either. I'm not going there. <laughs> uh, he, he did uh, eventually. He did. Well, he shot his um, alter ego, right? Mm. But before of that, he, he destroyed him uh, totally to let maybe, go maybe. of all the things that are owning him. Yeah, maybe um, we should we should revisit that movie and watch it again. And I'm curious uh, now. The book, is, the, bo the book is even better. Yeah, the book is even better. I would say okay. uh, it's a it's a it's a classic one. It's We're a, going a bit over time. I don't know if you have you know we can add on ten minutes extra if that is okay. Sure. I don't mind. So. Um, you talked about this before, Amir, but I'm going to start with Sonsolis. Is tech killing workplace cultures? Okay, I would say yes, but mm -hmm. not, not for the reason that people think. Uh, okay. And this is what I mean. Look, uh, I've been working online for quite a while, but of course now with Corona, there have been more clients working online and some of them from very large companies. And uh, you, you wouldn't believe this, but some people have come to trainings with Internet Explorer in their computer. And it's like, it looks like that thing is never going to die. What, you know, things like neural, for instance, don't work well with Internet Explorer. So is tech killing the company? Yes, because it's old. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not, nothing new works with that. So that's one reason. But there is another reason, and that is that um, even if you have new technology, your technology is only as good as the way you use it. Yeah. So 
<laughs> so you see companies with lots of new technology and they are still suffering. Why? Because <laughs> the culture that created that tech yeah. is a mirror of the tech. Mm -hmm. So if you want to succeed with your tech, you really need to look at the culture and only okay. when you look at them. I'm, I'm going to stop you now. You're not doing something wrong, <laughs> but just to amplify it, please say that again. <laughs> say what again? <laughs> what you said about the culture and uh -huh. the tech, that connection. Yeah, so your technology is only as good mm -hmm. as how you use it. Yeah. yeah. So if your culture is a certain manner, then your technology is going to be that way as well. So if your technology is not working for you, what you need to do is look at your culture. I think it was Adler, a psychologist, who said um, all problems are relationship problems. It always mm -hmm. goes back to people. Yeah, It does, especially now. It does. Yeah. it does. So you want the tech to work for you? You need to let the culture also work for you. And then your tech will mirror the culture. And then you're good to go. And you will enjoy it. But until that day, it's going to kill you. <laughs> so yeah okay and Amir this is your specialty right so curious yeah, to hear yeah. what you so, say so I uh I would say you know the tech is not killing um the companies the people mm -hmm. that are choosing tech exactly. a solution to every problem yeah. are killing companies mm -hmm. and I always use the metaphor uh for technology especially when it comes to artificial intelligence without most companies even understanding what it what what it entails mm -hmm. we want ai is <clears throat> the same thing as taking a bugatti viron i don't know if you are about cars but any expensive car that you can imagine mm -hmm. that is beautiful taking it to elementary school and throwing the keys on the table yeah. all the children will love it they will admire it they will honk it they will they will uh, you know uh, kiss it but nobody will know how to drive yeah because nobody taught them that so it's not about the technology. Again, you have to understand the current culture, face the brutal facts and see where you stand and where you envision to go. And then also see what your digital savviness or digital maturity of all employees is and what you need to do to bring them up to uh, pace to adopt new technology that will improve their lives. Because mm -hmm. uh, at this point, the resistance is 70%. So 30% of every new technology that gets supplied in a company only 30 percent is used so on 10 employees only three people really end up using the technology which is waste of time money effort whatever you want so if you do not take people by the hand comfort them and envision how this is going it's just to like adding job, change management right you're not taking the time to implement the steps that you need to take when it comes to change management especially when it comes to tech you need to take uh, include more time and more effort and energy to help people become more comfortable with that. Yeah, and this that this comes again to that uh, statement of profit mm -hmm. over people. Yeah, it means we're going to apply tech to reduce the number of jobs, to analyze our markets better, to know our customers better, so we can sell more, we can profit more, we can uh, and and so on. So. Okay. And definitely also when you shared something about the car, because here in the Netherlands, there was this, um, I'm not going to say famous, well, famous for the youth who drove a Maserati for the first time or who drove a Ferrari some, somewhere, a very expensive car, high speed. And within 15 minutes, he managed to uh, get into an accident and the car was total loss. So I definitely get you 
with uh, putting a very expensive car, uh, the keys of a very expensive car on the table without people knowing what to do with that. They're going to crash yeah. and burn. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and you're going to be guilty for that. Yeah, yeah. That's what you see. That's what, definitely what you see. So a lot of people are, a few people are sharing. So MMI was sharing a positive thing. So good that you're sharing that. Thank you. And uh, Killian is also sharing, uh, thanks for entertaining my stream of thoughts, questions, and giving up control should be easier. Hmm. Is yeah, it? This, is the, this is the stoic thought, right? You... Mm -hmm. Why do people worry? People mm -hmm. worry because they try to control external events. Yeah. You can be worrying about COVID-19 all days mm -hmm. long and how it's going to impact. You cannot do anything about it. You're killing yourself mm -hmm. softly with, with that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So giving up control of things you do not control mm -hmm. is the most liberating thing you can do. And focus yeah. on those things that you can control, like okay. your emotions and... Uh, I am going to interrupt because you said something that you have to highlight. So giving up, starting from giving up control again. Giving up control of the external things that you cannot control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so silly, but I mean, I don't have an audience here, so I have to, you know, I have to do this. It's... So awesome. I have to so think awesome. of the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. That's a I great don't think song. I want to see that one. That's up for my son. <laughs> so the last question. Um, can I can yeah. I say something about control? This might sound uh, counterintuitive to a lot of people, but um, when you distribute power, as in mm -hmm. mission command or as in graphics scores, the serious games from from, mm -hmm. from the arts you are actually having more control over the situation because it's not just in your hands, but it's in everybody's hands. Yeah. So in fact, even though it feels scary, it's the right thing to do. You can compare, to, compare it to the immune system. There is yeah. no master T-cell controlling uh, the body from a centralized place. Yeah. Because if yes. that were the case, a virus comes and, and you're gone. I love it. No, I love it's it. an entire system taking care of you. You stay alive. I love it. I love so it. So that could be a yeah, possible all these, all these technologies, all these different things that I'm definitely going, this will be definitely highlighted. And um, we are almost at the end. What is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and breaking silos? And I'll start with you, Sansolas. Uh, my biggest dream for 2025 is that we don't have to talk anymore about why it is important to work cross-functionally. That's my, my, my biggest dream. Uh, but I also want to see autonomy, more autonomy. I want mm -hmm. people to be taken seriously. Um, and uh, I want, as I said, more uh, lightheartedness and yeah. um, I have more humor, more heart. And, uh, and yeah, to trust people. People want to contribute, they are capable, so just give them that stage. Once more, to, to keep it musical. Let, okay. let them have that stage. Yeah. Thank so. you. And Amir? I would say uh, purpose or love organizations where roles and responsibilities are defined by unique talents mm -hmm. rather than diplomas, track records, or whatever HR can come up with to validate your success in uh, professional life um, and actually give you a unique uh, journey for a role that you roll in, trying to achieve something that you did not do before. Mm -hmm. 
and setting that's you free good on challenge. that. That's a good challenge where managers and HR and companies can challenge the people to work on their personal and professional development. So yes, thank yeah. you. For... And I would, I would, I would just end up with a question. What yeah. value do you have if everybody is the same? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. Cliffhanger. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> so indeed, I'm I'm going to end it with that. That's a cliffhanger. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Sonsolis. Thank you for for uh, being amazing, being awesome, and I really enjoyed the different insights that you 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 both shared. And I also want to thank the the viewers for watching or listening or maybe both. Uh, it was I learned so much. I learned so Thank much you, Vivian. and all I would hope is that people activate their mission command or start acting like an artist in the workplace, especially the managers and the leaders. So exactly. I'm challenging those. And um, if you want to connect with, uh, if you want to connect with Sonsolas or if you want to connect with Amir, just connect with them and reach out and let them know how awesome they are because that's a very good good thing that you can do and share that awesomeness of course with other people right so share this episode or just maybe highlight it in your uh, on LinkedIn or wherever whatever platform that you are on because it's the only way that we we together can humanize the workplace so thank you for watching and I'm going to introduce um, next week's uh, yes mm -hmm. Thank you, Vivian and Amir. Yeah. You have been awesome. Thank you, Sosolas. Amir, you had. I sometimes forget myself in the Yes. <laughs> My God, I managed to say it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you both. It was my pleasure. Likewise. And it was, for me, a small effort to do this. So uh, next week, it's going to be an all-ladies night. We are going to talk about the imposter syndrome. I know that men also deal with the imposter syndrome, but it's worse for the women. So that's why in, inspired by partially by Kendrick Lamar, those who know it, I'm not going to say because it's a bad word, but I do, you know, I do want to say that the imposter sometimes is really killing your vibe and also killing your business or killing uh, whatever path that you want to pursue. And that's why we are going, we all are going to share uh, what we all can do to beat that imposter. That's it. So I see a comment coming in. So I'm going to share it if I can find my mouse. And thank you for everybody who is watching. Thank you for um, everybody who has commenting. And if you have any questions afterwards or comments afterwards, reply, let us know, and tag us into the comments so that we see uh, that you are asking something. And until next week, until next week, Tuesday, and my name is Vivian Aqua, the Workplace Wellness Advocate. Watch this episode or listen to this episode, and don't forget to share the love or leave a review afterwards. And thank you for watching. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.